Welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And today on the show, I would like to talk about uh, my recent trip, my recent uh, big cruise to California. Uh, It was a week-long adventure, family trip with the in-laws to Los Angeles, and then cruising to San Francisco and Santa Barbara and San Diego and then Ensenada, Mexico. I really wanted to take the kids to Mexico, so it was uh, good to be able to do that. And I also wanted to take them to San Francisco since uh, we had a baton trip scheduled right there at the summer of the uh, pandemic. And that was all canceled. We were going to take it was we were going to go to Sacramento uh, and then, uh, no, we were going to Stockton. <laughs> so at least we we were able to uh, avoid Stockton. Uh, but I also was going to take the girls to uh, San Francisco so they could see some of the sights they wanted to see. It. One of their favorite movies is Princess Diaries, of course. And so they wanted to see what San Francisco was like. Uh, but since that trip was canceled, this was a good chance to take them and see San Francisco. Now, uh, a couple of things about this cruise. We, we, we cruised on our, our sixth different cruise line, Princess Cruises this time, and we've been on a Disney and Royal Caribbean and Celebrity, Norwegian, and uh, Holland America. And uh, I, I have a ranking of all of them, and, and, and Princess uh, was number six, and I think it falls right now into number four. The fourth spot out of all the different cruise line companies that we've cruised with, and, and I'll explain why in in a little bit. Uh, but but I first want to get to uh, the, you know the adventures. There were some parts of this adventure uh, that are worth noting, and one of them is the flight. So we we considered many airlines when we were flying from Denver to Los Angeles, and we settled with Frontier because of uh, even with the price. adding in the bags and the seats and all that other garbage that you have to add in with Frontier, it was still less expensive uh, than Southwest or the other airlines. And it also had better flight times for us there and back than did the other airlines, even considering all the extra crap you have to buy there with Frontier. And and since Southwest still has their cancellate like nearly every day, I look at Southwest and they have cancellations and they have an extraordinary amount of delays uh, that that seem unnecessary. I'll look at the uh, Fly Denver site and I'll, or uh, Flight Aware and I'll look at the list of all the airlines with with flight delays. And you might see United with one and and uh, American or Delta with one or two, and then Southwest will have fourteen. And, and w- so, what's the reason for that? It just doesn't seem it, so. They're having still problems. So it, it scared me a bit. And so we, we picked Frontier. And, and one of the things about Frontier, and it's been coming out recently, is that Frontier has been making passengers check their personal items. So uh, with, with most airlines, you get a personal item, which they consider a, a purse or a backpack or a bag of something like that. And then if you have a small luggage, then that's a carry-on. Well, Southwest and Spirit and the and I think JetBlue, uh, the the uh, smaller airlines that charge for everything, they charge for everything. And so if you have a carry-on luggage, they will charge you for that. It's actually more expensive than if you check a bag, uh, and it's more expensive than if you do it, uh, if you buy your bags early and all, on all these different fees, right? And, and so they, they've been cracking down because people have been trying to avoid the carry-on fee by using one of the uh, backpacks, like a, a backpack, and then packing it really tight if they're going on a weekend trip with all of their stuff. 
basically making a backpack into a carry-on bag. Well, Frontier says, we're not having any more of that. So what they have is, uh, right there when you go uh, at the gate, they have this contraption that has sizes. It's this big metal uh, sign and these two boxes. One of them is for your personal item. The other one is for the carry-on item. If it fits into the personal item, then it will fly. If it doesn't, you have to pay, get this, $100 because it's a late carry-on fee. $100, which is almost double the price of a checked bag, which was, for me, $56, which still seems a lot. But when you're just doing a couple of bags, you figure that into the overall price of the, of the flight and everything, and, and off you go. So the gate agents now, and, and, and to... Get them to be on board with this because I think for so long they just didn't care and said, all right, everybody bring whatever. And so uh, Frontier said, look, we can't have this anymore because people are, uh, are taking advantage of our system. What they did is they asked the gate agents, hey, how, how can we how, get, get you to, to check this? Well, somebody must have said, how about you pay us? And that's exactly what they're doing. And so gate agents will get a $10 commission for every bag that doesn't fit a personal item that doesn't fit in the personal item little box. And they, I have videos of people having to put, and I had to put my backpack, which I knew was going to fit, uh, in the personal item box, and it fit just fine, and off I went. But there were some people that were, uh, again, not here, either seeing the same videos I did or, or not following online, about what Frontier was doing, and they come in there with their backpack that is packed, solidly packed with stuff, and they try to get it into the. This one guy tries to get it into the into the uh, personal item little box. It's ne- it's there's no way it's going to fit. It barely fit into the carry on box, and so they made him go over and pay the hundred dollars to take the bag onto the airplane. And when he did that, the gate agents they get ten bucks. For every bag that doesn't fit. So that's huge for them. That's the incentive. I mean, imagine they catch 10 people, right? Get They, they get 10 people. That's 100 extra bucks for them. And I don't know if it's $10 per gate agent. It might be split between all of them. But still, if, if you're talking about somebody's making, let's let's give them 20 bucks an hour, right? And, and then for every flight, they're making an extra 25 or 35 or 40, 50 bucks. That, that's huge for them. Huge. That's a huge bonus. And it doesn't have to be paid by the airline. So the airline loves that. And then the gate agents, at least, uh, it's funny because I, I mentioned this uh, I th- this uh, story to one of the, when I went to the restroom on the plane, uh, I mentioned it to one of the flight attendants. They go, well, uh, we, they don't get paid as much as we do. And so I guess it's a good thing for them and, and, and better for them than for us because we don't want to have people yelling at us. Well, I, I guess you do have to worry about or, or deal with that. So you have to have upset people uh, yelling at you uh, and saying, what are you talking about? That's 100 bucks that I have to now pay to get my bag that I thought was free on the airplane. Uh, but the gate agents say, we don't care. And they were very, very st- uh, strict about who was allowed. And they made everybody check. Uh, and then it, it was about the uh, <laughs> end of one of the flights. And uh, they said, all right, just go on, go on. And and she, this girl was uh, guesstimating that most of the bags were going to fit. But if somebody had a pretty big bag, she made them, she made them check. And then there was an extra ching, uh, 10 bucks for them. 
and that can be a lot of money for these gate agents at, uh, for all these uh, extra fees. Um, so you just be also with Frontier, they've lowered their uh, poundage limit on their check-in bags, the ones that you check at the at the uh, uh, at the counter before you even get to the gate, to forty pounds. I think forty pounds is also with Spirit. Um, because I remember flying, uh, we flew a United flight somewhere and had a connecting flight on a Spirit Airlines, which was awful. Uh, and it, we, I think I was at 43 pounds. They said, well, you're, you're going to have to, cause I had one bag at 30 pounds, one at 43. They said, you're gonna have to move some stuff out. And I said, well, look, don't I get 80 pounds total? They go, nope, that's not the way it works. <laughs> and so I said, okay. And I had to move a couple things from one bag out to the other, just so they would be both under 40 pounds. So uh, Frontier has done that as well. And a lot of people had not, I guess, heard that memo. And so they were in there with 45 or nearly 50 pound bags and they, and they didn't have an extra bag that they could, uh, put stuff into. So they had to pay that extra fee for an overweight bag. Um, and so that's just what's happening right now, uh, with, with frontier. And I'm sure with, uh, spirits going to be doing the same thing if they haven't already. And, and the other discount airline. So just be, just be, just be mindful that they are going to try to nickel and dime you at any chance they can. And I guess that's their prerogative. They can do that. You just go up front knowing that you're going to be nickel and dimed and that you're going to have to watch the weight and you're going to have to watch the fees and factor all of that into your into your plans. And of course, nothing on board is uh, given to you. It's all pay, whether it's uh, you want to get a, a Sprite or a Coke or a bag of peanuts, all of it is going to cost you money. Uh, there's nothing that they will give you on a Frontier flight at all. Uh, anyway, so the flight actually, the, the, the actual flight was good. Um, it was good both ways going to Los Angeles and coming back. We flew to Santa Ana, the orange County airport. And then, uh, it was actually less expensive for me to rent a car. So we flew in on Friday. This cruise was on Saturday, flew in on Friday and then, uh, got a hotel for that night, uh, in Redondo beach. I'd never been to Redondo beach and I thought, Hey, uh, let's just start off the trip uh, on a beach. And even though it was kind of chilly, it, it was fine. It was nice to be uh, in a little beach town. So we went to uh, Redondo Beach, and that was just fine. And uh, I had a little rental car. Uh, you know what? By the way, in, in the, some of these rental cars, and, and I know other cars have it too, that auto stop on the car engine when you, when you come up to a stoplight or a stop sign, that the car engine turns off when you stop, and then it will turn on once you let off the brake again. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Why do you hate it so much? You might ask. I hate it because I want the option to be able to go if I need to go. And I, I guess it, it it's even those that, that second and a half or two seconds worth of waiting for the car to turn on again and then you can get going, that, that just bugs me. And, and if I can, I'll disable it. It's just a thing. It's just a thing with me. I just, it just bugs me to no end. I just hate the auto stop car engines. They're just the worst. And, and you know what? The narrow, the lanes, uh, I thought the, the lanes there on some of the, uh, uh, California, the, the LA highways were more narrow than regular lanes. Um, I did notice they have a lot of lanes on all their highways. That is for sure. They do have pretty busy highways. Um, oh, and th this really cool. So we had, what was, what'd we have? Oh, I can't, why can't I remember what kind of car it was? Uh, it, they, but the rear view mirror, you flip the rear view mirror like you're going to do day or night, right? That little flip switch. Well, it, it, uh, it didn't make it go for a night and day, 
uh, uh, setting. You flip it up like it's going to go to the night setting and actually turned on the camera, the rear facing camera on the, uh, on the car. And you can see what was going on in, in, in like, not just rear view mirror. It was really weird. It just felt weird. It looked weird. It was, it was just a weird feeling. Cause usually when you're driving, you're just glancing up at the rear view mirror just to see what's happening back there. Well, it, it took me a, a second to adjust my eyes going, wait, that's a video camera. And now I'm looking at like a TV screen uh, of the back of the car. And it was just odd. So I had to flip it back. It, it was really cool technology. I, I thought the technology was, was fascinating. And it, w- it would actually be neat if you get used to it uh, and maybe actually have an all the time camera that you can see uh, like that, not just the rear view mirror. Um, but that, I, I thought that was an interesting part. Uh, of that rental car. I, I, goodness, I wish I remembered what kind it was. Um, but anyway, we uh, did our thing and, and went and returned the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the plan was renting the car in uh, at the Santa Ana Airport, uh, driving to Rodondo, Redondo Beach for the overnight stay, and then taking the car to San Pedro, uh, which is right next to Long Beach, right next to where the port is for Princess Cruises. And so what the plan was is to get there in the morning and 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 drop off the car and then walk on over to the the port. I was going to drop the family off first with the luggage and everything and then I was just going to walk back. It's only I don't know, 10 blocks or something. So I uh I drop off the family. We actually had breakfast with uh, a friend that uh, some family member that uh, lives out there in Los Angeles and and I thought I had plenty of time to drop off the car by two o'clock when the Hertz rental car company would be uh closing their doors. And I got to the rental car place and I missed the window by eight minutes because they didn't close at two. They closed at noon. (laughs) Yeah, I missed them by eight minutes. So it was 12.08 and I'm banging on the window and there's nobody there. They split. Uh, And so I'm like, now what do I do? Because I can't just leave the car there in the in the street or because they were closed. This was a Saturday, Saturday morning. And I, I, I had to leave it with somebody. I had to have it checked in by somebody. And I couldn't just leave it there in the street because this is a an office that's on a street. It's not like a regular uh, rental car place where you go to the airport, right? And and so I am there in the street going, all right, now what do I do? So I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to take this car all the way to the Long Beach Airport, which is the closest full-service 24-hour uh, Hertz place and then drop it off there. And so that's what I did. I had to drive over to the uh, Long Beach airport and I'm thinking, all right. So I had to be on the, on the ship by two 30 ship leaves at three. It's all aboard. I think was at two 30. So now I have two and a half or uh, yeah, two and a half hours to get over to Long Beach, drop off the car, get a Uber or shuttle, whatever, and get over back to the port. And so that's what I did. Drove, drove all the way to the airport, uh, dropped off the car. They they said, yeah, yeah, we you can t- drop it off here. That's fine. And then I took an Uber all the way back to uh, the port. So it was pretty much a $35 dumb tax on my account because I had to pay for some extra gas to drop it off at the airport and then for the $28 Uber ride back over to the port. So I had that going for me. 
Uh, and it wasn't just me. Uh, my also my brother-in-law also who <laughs> had rented a car because they also flew in on Friday night. Uh, he hung out with his brother's family and then was also dropping his uh, family off. And, and I, he, I think he was with Enterprise or somebody. And he also missed the noon window and also had to do basically uh, this. Or no, they told him he, he got a hold of somebody and he could leave it at some uh, hotel nearby. I, I didn't have that option. Uh, and so he left it at a hotel nearby, and uh, then that that was good for him. So he didn't have the same. I have to go all the way back to the airport deal like I did. Uh, but anyway, so the <laughs> I guess you just have to be able to think on you know think on your feet, improvise if you have to. That that was really the 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 lesson I learned there is don't don't panic if if it doesn't go right the first time. Just figure it out. Take a breath. There's always an option. Yeah, it might cost you a little bit more money, uh, which I didn't want to spend. But, it, hey, it, it it all worked out in the end, right? All right, so there I go. Get dropped off at the uh, port. And, you know, the whole embarkation uh, deal, is, it's, a, it's kind of a, especially the security part, it's a bit of a joke. At, at a at a cruise, it, it really is. You walk you walk through a pseudo metal detector. Uh, you put your bag on the X ray. Oh, I got to tell you this X ray story real quick. Um, so it, we were in San Diego, and I'm, I'm, we're coming back. So it, we have this other rental car situation. So I dropped the, the, the everybody off after going to SeaWorld, uh, and I'll tell you about that later. But this <laughs> it just reminded me. So we get so so I drop off everybody to, to they they come back into the the ship. I have to drop the car back off uh, at the rental car place and then walk back over to the port. So I get over there and I have to go through the security right to get onto the ship from in San Diego. And so I, I put my backpack on there and I, and I don't have anything else. So, uh, I have my wallet and some cash in my, in my front pocket and I'm wearing shorts and everything else was in my backpack. So I, the backpack goes through, I walk through, the metal detector doesn't go off, of course. And then this guy, the security guy, looks at me and he stares at my pants and he points to my pocket and he goes, what's that? What's in your pocket? And I said, uh, it's my wallet. And I held up my wallet and he goes, you have to go back through. And he was serious about this. I go, because of my wallet and some cash, I went through the machine. And he goes, have you ever heard of a uh, credit card knife? I, <laughs> I said, what? No, I haven't. He goes, oh, yeah, you could slip those things into a wallet real easy. So wouldn't it get caught by the metal detector? And he just said, you got to go back through. So here I go, taking my stuff back through the metal detector, including putting my wallet back through the metal detector because I didn't have a credit card knife with me. And I said to the guy, I said, you know, they have real silverware and, and real knives on the ship right now, right? And he goes, I don't care what they have in there. My job is to keep things from getting on the ship. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was just laughing. I'm like, this guy is taking his job way too seriously. Does he know who I, I'm not just some crazy terrorist who's about to take over a cruise ship with a credit card knife. <laughs> I mean, really? Well, how do you do that? Do I go up to the, the, I don't even know where the bridge is on the cruise ship, how to get there, but I'm going to get up there with my credit card knife and then uh, assault the, I don't know, two dozen crew members who are on the ship, on the bridge, and, and take over. It's, it's, I'm taking over the cruise ship, everybody, with a credit card knife. 
It was just so ridiculous. I, I just, it was so funny. Anyway, so you go through that, you go into this big, you know, big room, and you hang out there, and, and you get all your stuff, and then you get on the ship, and that's always great, going on the gangway. Uh, getting familiar with the ship is always fun. That's always nice. Um, and, and as far as Princess Cruise Lines go, the overall trip was was good. It was fine. It, it uh, It's not... I'm going to say it's not my favorite. So the reason I ranked it fourth, I've been on, on six different lines. I'm going to put it fourth. I'm going to put uh, Celebrity Cruises on top. I'm going to put Royal Caribbean second. Disney on th- third. Uh, Princess now fourth. Uh, uh, no, then we're going to do uh, a Norwegian fifth and and Holland way a distant sixth. Um, it's, it, the, the ship was not as big as the last one, the Royal Caribbean, uh, symphony of the seas that we went on. It was, uh, I guess they said there were 3,700 passengers on board with a capacity, a little over 4,000, I think. Uh, it, it was, it was, it, you know, it's fine. The ship was fine, but it wasn't great. Uh, the weather was fine. It was a little cold, but, but that was okay too. Um, not <laughs> everybody likes their own ship. And I was telling my brother who loves princess cruises about the Princess Cruise and about the things that I liked, uh, some of the things, a lot of the things I didn't, like the entertainment. Oh, there was this comedian the first day. He he w- he flew in apparently that, that day uh, and got on the ship and he was all tired. And so he kept talking about how he's oh, so tired and he's, he's not really having a good set and this and that. And he was really, really bad at comedy. And then he started, so there are, this is the 730 show. So, you know, there's going to be more kids here. And he starts dropping some swear words and, and he goes, you know, it's, it's interesting when I, when I, uh, say the, uh, S H word and, um, I hear children laughing and he didn't stop. <laughs> it, it would actually, some of the jokes, it didn't, the, the joke that he was telling didn't hinge on that word. He could have used crap. He could have used other words that were funnier and, and still gotten the point across and go, yeah, I do have some kids, including some in the front row who are staring at me as I'm using curse words. Now, I'm not some prude, but seriously, there are (laughs) other ways to tell good jokes. And it's funny because the last day on the cruise after Ensenada, uh, I'm in, I, I'm, we're sitting outside waiting to go to dinner and, and the duty-free shop opens. There's this duty-free shop, right? Where you can buy, uh, uh, they have liquor there and they have cigarettes there and they have some other stuff there, uh, that you can buy without paying, uh, duty or taxes. Right. And you can save some money doing that. It's not something that, that I, I was doing, but it's funny. They had some Pringles in there and some other potato chips and they had some other stuff, sundry stuff kind of stuff, uh, there in the, uh, in that duty-free shop. And and I was, I was making a comment. Hey, do these Pringles come tax-free too? Because I am not going to pay any tax on these Pringles right here in international waters. And you know, that's, that's a pretty good line. He could have made a bigger bit out of it. Um, and, and talked more about that being on the cruise and and it could have been more relatable, but he's in there, he's in line buying something. I don't know what, and he's just a grump. He was just a bad comedian. Uh, and, and so the other entertainment that was on, on board, there was, uh, some dance show that was fine. There was some guy who, uh, was trying to sing like Michael Buble, but he didn't, he was more of a Latin Michael Buble. And so it just didn't work well. And then there was this other singer guy who, oh no, this, uh, illusionist. (laughs) I'm not kidding. If you had a book and watch some YouTube videos, you could probably have done 
as equal a job, if not better, with the illusions and the card tricks that he did. Uh, so <laughs> was that, it just, uh, the entertainment wasn't all that great, but it was fine. It was fine. But that's why I ranked it as four, because it's just... It, it just all of these things and dinner took forever. The, you know, seated dinner took just forever and ever a lot longer than it really needed to take. And I, I don't, I don't know. That's why I put it as, as four and, and not higher up on the list. Um, you know, hung out at the pool. Some we did, we stopped in San Francisco. That was fun. Did some walking through there. Cable cars are great fun. Uh, the street cars are pretty cool. The, the, the greatest thing about the cable cars is that you're hanging on the side. Now, they won't let you, like, drift off to the side, right, like you're the San Francisco treat. Uh, but you can hang off the side, which is pretty cool. Um, and, and walking uh, up some of those hills can be a little tough, even for a guy who uh, lives at altitude. And I was at sea level, and and still, it, it's still walking some of those hills. Did Lombard Street, which was fun. Uh, saw the Golden Gate Bridge, walked across some of that. Saw the sea lions. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um and one thing that was surprising is there wasn't as much traffic as I imagined there there was going to be in downtown San Francisco. Um, and may, maybe because the pri- parking prices are so astronomically high, it keeps some of the people out. And a lot of people just use the transit, which is no way by the means quick. Uh, I mean, it took a while. on the We, we took a bus from the uh, Golden Gate Bridge after walking part of the bridge uh, back to... Uh, Fisherman's Wharf, and then from there we took one of those streetcars back over towards the port. Uh, and so there's so many traffic lights there, and the traffic lights take a while. And and even on the bus, there were so many stops. It just took a long time to get anywhere you wanted to go. Actually, the cable car was one of the fastest ways to get around uh, San Francisco. Um, Chinatown is, of course, super interesting. Went through this one uh, shop. Because uh, I, I I stopped and, and there was some uh, a tray, well, not even a tray, it was like a bucket full of dried fish, and I'm looking at this going, uh, this is interesting. And uh, then you walk in and and you see all these other dried things that you did, you had no idea they could be dried uh, and eaten. I, I guess I I don't know what you do with them, but it, <laughs> it was it, it's always a learning experience uh, going down there and and seeing all that stuff. Then we had a really rough day at sea. I mean, we're talking waves. 10 to 12 feet, quite rocky, but it's also remarkable how the stabilizers on a ship that large able to handle some of those waves and and make the the ride not as bad. There was one cruise in the Pacific where we rode 20-foot uh, waves, and it's where you're walking down the hallway and you're running into the walls because it is... It is that rocky. It was a bit rocky where you did, you know, start to fall over a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't that horrible for some people. It, it did make them a little bit sick. I, I kind of like it. Uh, I, I think if you were looking at the ocean from the ocean level, you could really see the waves and how they were going up and down. And, and I think some people were getting a little sick from that, but for me, it was remarkably smooth though. Um, you know, the, the modern technology to make those ships not really rock and roll, uh, it really is tremendous. And it, that was a full day at sea, too, and they actually had to close some of the upper decks because they had 50-mile-an-hour winds, and it was just blowing like crazy up there. So they they took the uh, uh, the, the deck chairs down and closed off some of those upper decks and kept everybody off of there because they don't want people blowing off and go, <laughs> going into the icy surf. Uh, then we got it to Santa Barbara. That was fine. Took the tender, you know, the lifeboat basically uh that takes you from they anchored the ship out in uh, off the 
coast there a little bit, and then you take one of those lifeboats to the pier. That's always great. Uh, always great. Uh, you, we rented some scooters, went up uh, uh, State Street for a bit towards the mission, never really made it because uh, it was a little bit farther than we wanted to go, but saw some great neighborhoods, had a great time tooling around on the – I went to the beach for a little while. Yeah, it was cold. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, icy surf, but that was, <laughs> that was fun. And, and you know, what's funny. Cause then we went, got back on the, on the, uh, on the ship and it just in time for, for, for lobster dinner, <laughs> which again, wasn't that great. Um, it just wasn't that great of a, uh, it wasn't that great of a lobster dinner. Uh, and I think the security is almost kind of made up because you walk <laughs> through their little security. They saw that you have your uh, key, which is they have the, th- this was the coolest system. They have these little uh, medallions, these, these little coins almost that you can wear. It's, you can wear them as a, uh, on a necklace, uh, as a, on a lanyard. Uh, you can put it on a, a card. You can, uh, we had these watch bands that you put them on a watch band. Uh, and they were, that was actually pretty interesting because you could find out where everybody was on their app uh, on the ship because it's always keeping track of you. And then when you walk up to, let's say, get a drink or get something, it knows who you are. And then the person, let's say you're getting a beer, uh, pow, pops your, uh, pushes your name and they know that you're, it's your beer and your drink. And uh, so that part was kind of cool. But the security is kind of made up because you go and you just scan your thing and then that you're on. Uh, they don't really scan. You know, the, the, at least the uh, ship security didn't uh, freak out when I walked on with my wallet in my pocket uh, on the ship. That because th- at that port they didn't have the X-ray machines; they have it actually on the ship, and they didn't freak out when I had my wallet in my pocket, thinking I was bringing on a credit card knife. <laughs> I think it's kind of more for show for anything. Uh, and then on to San Diego, went to SeaWorld. That was fantastic. Uh, it was really nice to uh, go to SeaWorld and saw all kinds of fun SeaWorld stuff. And uh, we, we were sitting uh, at the uh, uh, Orca show, right? The uh, killer whale show. And we were sitting in the quote unquote uh, soak zone, splash zone. And we almost got splashed. There were some people in front of us that got soaked. <laughs> I can't imagine with that that uh, salt water, that fishy salt water. Yeesh. Uh, anyway, uh, the, <laughs> the one thing that did bug me in San Diego, they are they have these these trains that run downtown, these commuter trains uh, that you can ride up and down. I guess from downtown San Diego to wherever. But but when they do, because a train blocks traffic at times and can block intersections, well, it, it did it unnecessarily. And they would have the crossing arms come down and stay on for, I'm not kidding, like five minutes. As the train is right there, there's there's a station. The train station is like right next to this, this street. And so the, the train pulls up and the arm goes down. And so they let off the passengers, pick up more passengers. They're hanging out. I'm not kidding, for like about five minutes. And then it starts to roll. Well, then here comes another train because it's going the other direction. And then it's so the it's still down. I'm not kidding. We were stay. It was a long time waiting on the street, unnecessarily long, uh, having those crossing arms block the road way longer than they needed to. Uh, it's it was you know people could be making their way. Right, but they couldn't because the crossing arms are down. It really was a ridiculous waste of time. But they prefer and preferentiate trains over every other form of transportation, uh, and so the, <laughs> that's the way that's the way they are there. 
All right. After returning the car, uh, I you know, made it back onto the ship without my credit card uh, knife in my wallet. Uh, we <laughs> made it to Ensenada, Mexico. I uh, drove around. Actually, I rented a car in Ensenada. And because we were going to go over to the uh, the zip line thing, but as we drive, so we get this rental car, no problem there. Uh, they, uh, they ask if you want full coverage. Of course I do, because I'm in Mexico. We start down the highway to go to the zip line thing, and it's supposed to be about 40 miles outside of town. You get into this traffic jam, right? And it appears that the road is basically washed out, and they have so, some cars and trucks are trying to go through it, but it, I mean, it's coming up to the wheel, uh, almost the wheel well on some of these trucks, and, and I'm in this little car. There's no way I'm going to try to attempt that. Now, if I was just by myself, maybe I would have tried, but but not with my two girls and my wife in the car at the same time. So we we, we see some people trying to go up into the uh, neighborhood up the up the way. So we 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 turn that way, and now it's turned into dirt streets and turned into muddy streets. And these streets, and I'm uh, these are air quotes when I call them streets because they are a path where you could drive the car, but you really probably don't want to because there are so many holes and bumps. And I mean, when I'm talking a hole, you could fit a cow into the hole. And and so it was quite dangerous. Uh, And so we said, all right, well, this is no good. And after getting the car thoroughly muddied and and, uh, trying to get, we thought we were on a main road Kinda, and it was also dirt, but it was following the uh, power lines, and so we're going around the power lines, and then here got another area where the water was just flowing across the road. Eh, I don't think we're gonna try try to cross that, so we just turned around and went back to Ensenada, as it was a it was <laughs> really not not worse. The, so I have a I have a risk level uh, of those kind of adventures, and and so. That that was my I, I wrote I reached my risk level. So we drove around some of those local streets, went back to the main road, and that was all the way back to Ensenada, and, and that's fine. Uh, we <laughs> so we had the car for maybe two and a half hours. Uh, stopped at some uh, local tortilla factory, and it was fantastically delicious. I wanted some flour tortillas. They had corn only, and they were delicious. But uh, I wanted flour tortillas. So then we returned the car. The guy goes. And it's just what the guy at the rental car, uh, and I didn't tell him anything about the road being closed or or having flooded. And and, and we talked to him about, we're going to go out there to this thing. And and so he goes, oh, so uh, you came, uh, that was that was a short trip. And I go, yeah, it, it just didn't work out. And he goes, uh, the, uh, the, what, the road was closed, right? <laughs> like, did you know that before we rented the car? Did you know that before we rented the car? So anyway, rented the car. Returned the car after two and a half hours. Walked across you know, the street. Looked at some of the shops. And, you know, got a a little uh, a fridge magnet of Ensenada. Saw the fish market, which was great. Uh, and then back into uh, onto the ship. And that's great because it, I I that's the thing I love about cruise ships. You can get off of a cruise ship and you can get dirty and you can get muddy or or whatever. You get back on the cruise ship and you're back in America and you and you wash it all off and you start all over again. It really is great. Oh, and one other thing about uh, about being in Mexico. I love how you drive in Mexico. There's just a a flow, a style, a we aren't making this vehicle a larger extension of ourselves in personal space as they do in the United States. In the United States, if somebody cuts you off, 
gets in front of you, merges in front of you at a four-way stop, let's say, somebody goes ahead of you and, and you were supposed to go and somebody gets that the, you start honking and there's arms up and there's fingers. But in Mexico, it's just more of a flow. You just go. If, the, if somebody stops in, in the lane, let's say there's two lanes, and somebody just stops in a lane because they're doing some, whatever, you just calmly go around it. There's no stopping and honking in the whole thing. It's just, it's hard to describe, but it's just more of a, of a flow of, of people just going to where they need to go without being all pretentious about it. It really is a better way of traffic flow. Now, people do stop at the traffic signals, which is great. Some people went through, but not very many. But I'm telling you, it is just a smoother flow of traffic. And I just, I, I really do prefer it to the way people drive in the United States. So that was the last stop. And then we, uh, the next day, Saturday, get to, uh, back to Los Angeles, uh, get out of the, uh, the ship, which is just fine. Walk over to the car rental place, the same place that was closed eight minutes, uh, the, (laughs) I showed up eight minutes late for. So I get in there and, uh, the guy says, well, we, we don't have your car. Uh, the one you, you order, we, we do have a Tesla that was returned, but it's still dirty if you want that. And I said, all right, that, that, that's fine. As long as it can get me from here to the Ontario airport, uh, that would be just, just fine. I, I really don't care. And he goes, well, you're going to have to charge it. And I said, what do you mean charge it? He goes, well, it's at like 90% charged and it needs to be returned 70%. And I said, you're giving me a car that I can't just fill up with gas, and that's my fault to have to stop at some supercharger and waste 20 minutes to charge up the car enough to, to satisfy, you're not even giving it to me full. And he goes, well, that's just the way it is. Now, I knew I was going to get nowhere with this guy. There are certain people when you're dealing with in the customer service realm, you just know you're not going to get anywhere with them. So you just you just move on, and you deal with it with some other person later. So that's what I had to do. And so I get, this is the first time I've actually driven a Tesla and it was, it was fine. It was, it was actually breaking. That, that was the one thing I remember about it uh, more than anything is that when you let off the gas, it breaks for you fairly significantly. And I think what it's trying to do is recapture some of the motion to put back into the battery with the regenerative, regenerative, regenerative. Uh, anyway, uh, with <laughs> the regen braking system, I have that on my car, but it's not nearly as uh, stiff as the one in the Tesla. So uh, that that was the one thing I, I recalled. So, uh, but it was a fine drive. It was it was comfortable. It was uh, it, it was it got us from the port over to the Ontario airport in enough time to catch the flight and make it back home and all was well. And so there, <laughs> and so there you go. There is, there's a, a quick explanation, uh, synopsis of the, of the cruise, uh, and the trip to, uh, California, which was, which was great. And maybe I mentioned it earlier, but this was our, uh, 12th cruise on the six different cruise line. And, it, uh, yeah, it, I, I just love, I just love cruising. It is just a great way to go. Awesome pictures, often video, awesome videos and great memories with the family. Cause it was my, uh, in-laws who, who went, it was, uh, us, my wife's, uh, sister's family and, uh, um, her parents. And so it was a great little family trip, uh, out there. And so that was a lot of fun. 
Well, now that you've heard my cruise adventure, I I wanted to uh, have a cruise expert on the show, so I booked for next week the editor-in-chief of the wildly popular and helpful cruising website called Cruise Critic. I use Cruise Critic many times in the past, and I even used it on this uh, adventure. Uh, Colleen McDaniel, I invited her to be on the show for next episode, and so we'll hear from her all about the cruising industry and where the cruises are from the days uh, before, during the pandemic, now after the pandemic, and see because it seemed like the cruising is really back to normal. They were... Very few people wearing masks. It's funny because during the whole pandemic thing, they they were really the cruise industry was really really strict about uh, where people go and and wearing masks and all of this. Well, we we would have these elevators. That's another thing. The elevators were really slow, always crowded, never on time. On this, <laughs> I was on a bigger cruise ship and had better elevator service on the uh, Symphony of the Seas than I did on this one. So you you get like ten people on the on the elevator, they all pour out. Ten more people pile in, so they're not worried. They're not worried at all about having uh, share. We were all sharing their air, um, and they just didn't care about it anyway. I'll be uh, talking to Colleen next week all about the uh, state of the cruise industry. If you have any questions, comments, concern, if you uh, have a story, a cruising story, I'd love to hear it. You can always give me a call on the listener hotline, uh, and I play it here on the show, 303-832-0217. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.